It would be super cool to see you get drafted in the WNBA. Selfishly, it'd be pretty great if we got one more of you wearing green and white, though. I got to tell you. Yeah. You you and Susie, you, that's what you guys are up to for. <laughs> yeah, I bet she wants that even a little more than I do. <laughs> yeah, probably like 10 times more. That was Nia Cloudon, and this is On the Bench with Mike Hall. That's me. Nia Cloudon's a senior star on the Michigan State women's basketball team. She led the team in scoring as a sophomore and as a junior, and again this year as a senior. Known as an unselfish leader, she also works hard on improving her game. Her team's going to be fighting hard for an NCAA tournament berth, and if they make it, it will be largely because of her, as they have been shorthanded all season due to a swarm of injuries and the key transfer and COVID issues, etc. But through it all, Nia is always there. In fact, earlier this year, she scored 50 points in a game, an all-time Spartans record. So I had to start off our chat with that, seeing how that basically, you know, almost never happens. So scoring 50, it's like it wasn't even real. Like I was playing, but it's kind of like I was watching myself the whole time, like watching someone else play score 50. But it was just amazing. I was just kind of like, in the zone really and I, I just couldn't I couldn't really miss that much and um, I, I scored most of it off uh, pull-ups and my teammates were setting good screens getting me open so that's how it all happened. At what point during a 50-point game do you go huh I'm doing something special here? Yeah I think it was towards like towards like end of the third quarter I had about 30 something I think and then so the game was really close. It was a back and forth game. Me and Kirsten Bell on uh, Florida Gulf Coast, we were battling it out. And it was going to be a game that led all the way up to the final buzzer. So after about like regulation, I believe I had about like 37, 35. So we ended up going to double overtime. And Florida Gulf Coast, they were coming at us. So I just really had to keep up the scoring pace and just keep trying to be aggressive and, and hopefully get the win. We didn't end up getting it, but yeah, I just had to keep doing what I could, and it was a it was a really fun game to watch. And I I bet because it was such a close game, you you didn't get to have like those fun moments where one of your teammates like you're at forty, you're at forty, <laughs> keep going. Right. Yeah. No, there wasn't really any of that. Um, but I did know the whole time because on the scoreboard, um, it was right on there, and the scoreboard was so big. So just looking up at the score, I could see how many points I had. And everybody was excited. And when I had 50, they definitely celebrated a little more. But we were still locked in trying to win. Yeah. Uh, when did it hit you? Like, only two other players in the history of the Big Ten have done what you did. When did that moment hit you? Um, it kind of hit me a couple of days later. So when it happened, it was just crazy, kind of like surreal. Like it didn't really hit me yet. And we still had to play again the next morning. So it was a quick turnaround. Um, but after a couple of days and I kept getting so many messages from people on people, uh, Spartan alums, Magic Johnson, Miles Bridges, um, Denzel Valentine. So that's when it, it really kind of hit me um, when I was just on Twitter, on social media, and it was a really big deal. And then even last year, I was watching when Nas scored 50, and that was just like crazy to watch someone else do it. And um, for me to do it, it was just a really big accomplishment. What did Magic say to you? He just said, um, congrats on breaking the record, because it was the record for um, program history for men's and women's. And I believe the person who held it 
um, was one of his teammates from the 70s. So, yeah, he just gave me a shout out on Twitter and said, congrats. That's wild. <laughs> so you had that incredible moment. You guys have also had injuries. You've had transfer losses. You've had COVID issues. On the whole, how do you describe what this season has been like? I would say this season has been really unpredictable. Um, like you mentioned, we had two major injuries to two of our predicted starters early in the year to Julia A. Raw and Tori Osment. And then some more people got injured along the way, like Moira Joyner, and then even Isolene Alexander just a couple of days ago um, to get injured to closing out the season. And then um, transfers as well. But it's been really unpredictable because we've had games where we've shown, despite all this happening, we can still come out and compete with anybody. And then we've had games where we kind of dropped the ball and, and didn't get the job done. So it's just been really unpredictable, but I've still been having a really good time and uh, fun with my teammates in this last year. Does it feel like, was there at, at some point, are you just like, stop it, like a punch in the gut, like you lose those two at the beginning and you're fine. And then it's joiner comes and COVID like at, at one point where you or your teammates just like, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, it was really like that after so Julia had got her a week before the season and then Tori got her like three days after and I remember we were just with you at media day and it was just like the day after that so it was around then and then also when um Didi had contracted COVID another one of our guards had contracted COVID so it was just like me and Matilda left playing the guard spot when we were playing Nebraska we were really like um undermanned so that's when it was really like we can't catch a break, but we just got to keep fighting and keep trucking through. Yeah. You lost Eliza Winston to transfer. How, how did that hit you personally? Yeah, personally, um, it just made me have to adjust a lot more, step into an even bigger role on the court than I was before. Um, and then I kind of had to switch gears from starting at the point guard to starting at the two and playing the two for the rest of the season. So it was really just... Um, Obviously, we're we are missing Eliza, and she was a really good player for us. But it was just about adjusting and being able to work on the fly since it happened uh, mid-season. Yeah, you mentioned a moment ago uh, Matilda. How has Matilda Eck grown? Because this is her first year as a college player. How have you seen her grow from the beginning of the season to where she is now? Yeah, she's grown a lot. She's definitely stepped up into her role. Um, I'd say, especially during the Big Ten season, which is kind of like crazy as a freshman to be able to play really well in the Big Ten season and even better um, than you were in the, the preseason. So she's really been doing a good job. I don't think of her as a freshman. She got to play um, some professional basketball in Sweden um, while in high school. So she's just really good. She works hard and um, she's grown a lot off the court too with being vocal and, and even trying to be a leader as a freshman. You know, you've got such a good taste of what it's like to be a leader. Could you be a coach one day? Uh, I don't want to coach. Um, yeah. I would say I could probably be like a trainer. I think if if I had to do it and if I was like in the headspace to coach, I think I could, but that's just not something I really see myself doing. But you could see yourself being a trainer? Yeah, because um, I've, I've worked out with the, my own personal trainer since I was like 11, so I kind of know like, what I need to do to improve uh, certain things, especially on offense. So I think I could be able to teach that to somebody else. I like that. Um, 
where does the name Nia come from? My mom, she um, came up with the name and my older sister, her name is Imani. So um, Imani and Nia are both days of Kwanzaa and they're both Swahili. So she kind of uh, carried off of my sister's name and found another name that kind of fit me. And then it also has a meaning, which is really cool. So Nia means purpose. And I, I really try to live by that and have a purpose in the things I do. And my mom, she, my mom and dad, they really thought into our names. That's really cool. <laughs> Thanks. Have you ever run into another Nia? Yeah, um, a couple times back home. But like the first time I really knew another Nia personally was my freshman year. And uh, my first two years, we had another player on the team, Nia Holly. Where does Cloudin come from? I don't think I've met, ever met anyone with the last name of Cloudin. Yeah, I hadn't either until recently somebody DM me on Instagram thinking that we were related because we we're both last name Cloudin. And it's like so rare. So I think we might actually be related. I'll have to dive into that more. I'm not sure. But yeah, my dad, that's his last name and his family name. And um, so that's how I got it. Um, but yeah, I've never seen anybody else's last name either. And um, I really like it. I think it's pretty cool. I do too. It's a very cool, very cool last name. Um, it's nothing boring like merchant. But speaking of, what do I not know about your head coach, Susie Merchant? You probably don't know that she has like a celebration dance move for everything. She doesn't pull it out in game because she's being serious. She's in coach mode. Um, but she has a celebration for everything. She she really likes this one, hands over her head, jumping up and down. Um, but yeah, she has she has some moves. She has some moves. Now, are we talking like in the locker room and she won't do it on the court dance moves? Yeah. Yeah, that's when she pulls it out in the locker room or in practice, but not usually on game day. Okay, I need more moves. So you've got the hands over the head, jumping up mm -hmm. and down. What's another Susie dance move? You know, I, I can't even do them that well because they're pretty old school. Um, <laughs> but anytime Michael Jackson is on or anybody like that, you can look over on the side and she'll be doing her thing. <laughs> And is this just after a win or if like you're playing, you know, ping pong against her or something and she wins, she'll break it out? Oh, it's anything. It's, it's practice. It's ping pong. It's us chilling at her house in the backyard and there's music playing. Um, when, when things are stressful, like a game, she's just a really cool, fun person to be around. Yeah. Um, is she a trash talker? <sighs> a little bit. I think it's just with like certain people because she trash talks me because she knows that I'll get mad and then results will probably happen. Um, but she has different motivations for different people. So I know me and my my roommate now, who was a former player, Marjika Cook, we used to trash talk each other all the time in practice. And then Susie would butt in. And, and then sometimes she would tell us to shut up and stop talking to each other. <laughs> but yeah, she's a trash talker a little bit. What was Susie like when she recruited you? Um, when she recruited me, I just got this vibe of like a genuine person, somebody who, who wasn't going to lie, lie to me or steer me in the wrong direction. Um, she didn't make any promises that were like too good to be true. So, and then I also just felt like, um, if I came to Michigan state, I would be a part of her family. Everybody gets to go to her house and just chill. She has a really nice house, pool, volleyball, basketball court, everything. It's like a resort. <laughs> 
but yeah, um, just really a family oriented environment and somewhere where I would be able to grow as a person and as a player. Yeah. How is she different now versus back when she was recruiting you? Um, she's really a lot the same in some similar ways. I would say um, over the years in my career, she, well, maybe it's because I was a freshman, but she was a lot harder on me as a freshman and as a younger player. And then as I've come into my senior year and junior year, um, being a leader and a veteran on this team, she's kind of lightened up um, the harsh critique. And then um, just, just still always critiquing me on ways I can get better and just being in my ear, but kind of just like in a different way to where she knows that I have the experience now. Yeah, right. So she doesn't treat you like a freshman because you're not a freshman anymore. <laughs> basically, basically. Uh, in your time in the Big Ten, who's the toughest person you ever had to guard? That's a good question. I need to think about that for a second. Hmm. I'm going to say it's... I would say for me personally, being a guard, I'm going to say the toughest matchup has been Ashley Awusu from Maryland mm. because she is really quick and can get downhill. She has a really good handle. And then she has good size. So me being smaller than her, it's really hard to guard her if she tries to post me up or if she gets to the basket and try to contest the shot. So, um, yeah, I would say that is the matchup. And that it's also just really fun to play against her play against Maryland too being that I'm from Maryland so it's always fun to play against them and I know a couple of them over there yeah yeah I'm sure that adds a, a layer I was I was wondering I was thinking of the names you might bring up and I was wondering how many we'd get to before we get to Caitlin Clark what's it like guarding her it's it's a challenge she makes it hard because she can shoot she can drive she can pass you can't play off of her when she doesn't have the ball so it's just a combination of really just like picking your poison because then the day she's usually always going to get what she has, get her averages in and get other people involved. So I think really when playing Iowa, it's about trying to contain everybody else, but there's a bunch of shooters around her. So they're a really good team. And um, she just has a, a killer mentality. She knows when to take over and, and uh, she's a really good player. So she's definitely up there on the list. And you have to literally pick her up at half court. Like she will right. fling it from 40 feet away. Yeah, that is a challenge, especially since if you run all the way out there and then she just might not shoot it and then just go right past you. So definitely yeah. a challenge. She's had so much success this year. It's almost overshadowed some great players in this league who are having great years like you or Nawusu or Veronica Burton or, or something like that. Players that in a normal year would be getting much more attention. Is it annoying that she's getting all this attention and because you kind of want to beat her or do you go, ah, this is good for the league. It's good for the sport in general. It's good that people are talking about women's hoops. I'll say, yeah, it's definitely good for the sport. It's good for the conference and it's good for her. Everything, all the attention she's gotten, I think she's earned. Um, she plays well night in and night out and she averages crazy numbers. So I think all the attention she gets, she definitely deserves. Um, but at the same time, you know, it can get a little annoying when, um, other players like me, Veronica Burton, Ashley Wusu, we've all had good seasons. Not saying that we don't get the media coverage, but Kaylin, she gets a lot and she definitely has earned it. So I give her her props. Yeah. Um, 
I know you don't only watch and think about women's basketball, but other sports. I assume you saw that brawl on the men's side with Michigan and Wisconsin. What do you think about the the discussion going around about a handshake line and, and should it go away or is it just one bad instance that one person didn't handle themselves very well? So let's not overreact. Yeah, I kind of feel um, like that about it. I think that was a, a bad incident that happened at the game. But I think handshake lines are, are really good, especially when because a lot of times players know other players on other teams. And it's good to be able to see them after the game where you're not just focused on trying to stop them. You can just say what's up and say, hey, and good game. Um, but I have noticed that, like, we don't do the handshake line anymore. I think it's for COVID reasons or whatever. But I did like the handshake line. And I do think um, that was just one incident. Yeah. Do you remember something that a player or a coach said to you when you would go through a handshake line or at the end of a game? Yeah, I, I think it was my freshman year. This, this was the first time we played Minnesota. And so, you know, um, Lindsey Whalen, she's a legendary player and a coach for them now. And then after the game, um, we got to shake their hands. She was just telling me to keep it up. I have a, a bright future in this league and, and maybe even uh, after this league when I'm done playing for four years and play professional. So she just really gave me some confidence and uh, some good advice really for a quick second. And that stuck with me. She would know about playing pro for sure. She's yeah. anyone's going to have that insight. Um, yeah. Something that was different for the women's game this year was the deeper three point line. How much of an adjustment was that? I say it was a big adjustment and it was a big focus um, during the off season and in the summer. Um, so I was making sure to get on the gun and, and shoot the threes from behind that line. And then um, even in practice, they would always let you know, like whether we're scrimmaging or whatever we're doing, that your foot is on the line, make sure you back up and stuff like that. But I think I've been able to adjust well. Um, this is the best I've shot the three-pointer in my whole career. So um, maybe maybe it needed to be backed up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you did it, Was there a point in the season where it didn't feel – like a deeper three-point line? Like, was it after a month or two, you're like, oh yeah, it's just shooting at three. Or does it still feel like, no, no, this is not what we've been doing the last few years? Yeah, I think um, probably about after the first month of the season, it started feeling more regular. And you get in the flow of things. And, and by that time, you've taken your fair share at three. So you know what's going on by then. Yeah. When do you start seriously thinking about what you're going to do next year? Um, um, really after the season, uh, whenever our season is over, I'm going to focus on my next steps, like a hundred percent. Uh, I've obviously thought about it here and there, but I just really want to stay focused on finishing the season out with my team and, and giving them everything I have to try and win these last games. But after the season will definitely be when I uh, focus more on making my next steps. And what do you think your options will be? I definitely think I have the option to play professionally um, and enter the WNBA draft. I think I have the option to come back and play here at Michigan State again if I want to. I have the option to play overseas. So I think, um, God willing, injury-free, um, I'll be just fine. See, I'm debating what is cooler. It would be super cool to see you get drafted in the WNBA. Selfishly, it'd be pretty great if we got one more of you wearing green and white, though. I got to tell you. Yeah. You, you and Susie, that's what you guys are hoping for. <laughs> yeah, I bet she wants that even a little more than I do. 
Yeah, probably like 10 times more. What about whenever you're done playing ball, whether that's in five years or 10 years or whatever, what do you think you want to do? I think I want to um, be an investor. I want to start with um, real estate, though, getting into real estate and selling houses, making enough money to buy my own houses and own properties and, and doing stuff with that and then just building it and then. Really what I want to do is not work a job and be able to relax and sit on the beach all day. Um, but there's a lot of steps I have to, I have to do before that. So see if you find the job where someone pays you to sit on the beach and relax all day, please share. Okay. Uh huh. I'm putting everybody on. If I find it, telling everybody. <laughs> um, when you look back at your first year playing ball and you look at where we are now, how is the big 10 different? now from back then i would say um offensively the big 10 has improved there's a lot of players who average 20 there's a lot of players who average 18 and up and i think i remember it was like my sophomore year i averaged like 14 and a half and that was like good enough for eighth which i think wouldn't even get me in like top 20 this year but yeah definitely offense has picked up and then the teams have all gotten better. Like last year, we had a bunch of teams in the NCAA tournament. And this year, we're going to have a bunch of teams in the NCAA tournament. So just the competition and the level of players all around has really increased. Yeah, I, it is It is cool to watch how much not only better the league is, but more exciting. I mean, the high-scoring yeah. games and the talented players, it's, it's really cool. We haven't seen it like this in at least in my 15 years covering the league. Yeah. It's definitely really fun to play. And I personally think it's the best league in the country. Yeah. All right. You've been great with your time. You got to get ready to go do uh, the end of your season. So before you go, we're going to do before you go. Four questions unrelated to anything. You ready? Good. Number one, what posters were on your wall as a kid? Mindless behavior. No question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were like, I was probably like 12, 13 a kid in middle school and like they were the hottest thing at the time. So they were definitely up on my wall. <laughs> Number two, uh, we know you're from out East. What was your favorite college team growing up? Um, honestly, I think it was always Duke. I've, mm. I, that's kind of like cliche, but I've been a Duke fan. Um, I mostly watch men's basketball. So I was a Duke fan for men's basketball on the women's side. I really liked watching Washington when Kelsey Plum was there. And then also I was always like a big UCLA fan and Michigan state was always one of my dream schools. So I was tuned into them too. Wait, why was MSU always a dream school for a girl who was out in Maryland? Right. Um, so when I was like eight years old, I came to visit my grandfather and he happens to be from here in Lansing, Michigan. So like all my family who was related to him, um, lives out here and they're like diehard state fans, Michigan state fans. And they have been since even before I had an offer for Michigan state. So just knowing that, and then Michigan state as a program, um, has always been like on, on national headlines. So they just always caught my attention. Hmm. I like that. All right. Number three, uh, who have you not met in life that you most want to meet? Um, the person I probably want to meet the most right now, I would say other than Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. I would say Drake, just cause he's my favorite artist and he makes great music. 
and I just think he's really cool. And I've seen like his house on YouTube and it looks like a whole school. So that would be cool <laughs> to visit. <laughs> but yeah, he makes great music. He's my favorite artist. So that's why I want to meet him. So his house is even cooler than Susie's, huh? Yeah. Credit to <laughs> Susie's house, though. <laughs> well, I got a surprise for you. Look behind you. We got Drake to come and say, no, I'm just kidding. I don't have that power. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't I'm, know. I'm upset. Very... I actually looked back like what? <laughs> <laughs> Number four, uh, you mentioned Owusu was the hardest uh, person to guard in the Big Ten, but who would you say is the best player you've ever competed against? It can be in junior high, high school, college, whatever. The best player you ever played against? The best player I have ever played against, I'd say, was Sabrina Inescu. We played. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she is a beast. She was averaging like a triple double. We played her my freshman year um, and they were number three in the country and we were unranked at the time. So we were big underdogs. And then that was like the most my favorite memory of my career. Actually, we played them and we ended up upsetting them after the first quarter. They came out like 14 to two. Like We were down bad. And then we rallied. And our senior at the time, Jenna Allen, she went off for like 27. Um, so yeah, I just got to guard her. She got me in foul trouble very quickly in the first half. And so I got to play mostly the second half, but it was just a crazy game. Breslin was packed. There were so many people. The energy was crazy. And then we topped it off with upsetting them. So it was a great day. Very cool. Very cool. Good answer. Uh, Nia, thanks for giving some of your time. We really appreciate it. And uh, I hope the uh, this season continues as long as it possibly can. And again, Susie and I are going to push you. You could spend <laughs> one more year in East Lansing and do just fine. Right. I'll, I'll think about it for you guys. I'll think about <laughs> it. That was Nia Cloudon. My thanks to her for her time. Hopefully we get to see her and the Spartans play deep into March. That'll do it for this episode. From the Big Ten Network in Chicago, I'm Mike Hall. We'll see you next time.